This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harris Resort SoCal in 2024. Hey, what's up? I'm Can Nguyen, and uh, I am Vietnamese-American, and I'm uh, mostly known for dancing on Poriotics, which was on America's Best Dance Crew Season 5 winners, and uh, I've been touring for about the past 10 years, and I just actually stopped doing it. Uh, haven't made an announcement officially, but yeah, we're officially, you know, not really touring anymore after COVID happened unfortunately, but uh, I am moving into the video editing YouTube space. So that's what I mainly focus on now, but I still dance personally. But yeah, uh, I'm from Anaheim, California. And uh, yeah, I've been living in Southern California my whole life. Wonderful. What does it mean to be Vietnamese to you? So being Vietnamese, obviously, uh, you know, you're from a... Um, you're definitely going to be different if you live in America. If you're born in America and you're Vietnamese, uh, you're automatically different because the majority around you isn't really Vietnamese, especially depending on what area you're from. But uh, luckily for me, I moved around a lot. So I lived in places where there were no Asians, and then I moved to places where there were lots of Asians. So I've seen kind of like both sides of things. Um, but yeah, for me, being Vietnamese just means, you know, food, culture, parents, family, um, you know, anything that involves, like, I don't know, no. just a lot of, it's it's, it's kind of hard to explain, it's a lot to absorb, because I'm thinking back, I'm having all the flashbacks from my family parties and everything, but to me, that's what it means to be Vietnamese, it's just about, you know, family, and uh, yeah, a lot of good times, and a lot of partying, <laughs> so, for sure, you know what I mean, and, and just good food. Yeah. So, now, before we get to the good stuff with the dancing and poriotics, um, I want to ask you a little bit about your, the podcasting uh, experience or work that you're you're doing right now. Uh, I believe you're working with the Tiger Belly podcast with Bobby Lee, right? Like, yes. how did you get into that world? So, I actually, because I'm a dancer, you know, I did a lot of shows. So, through these shows, you meet a lot of other entertainers, right? And so... <clears throat> Sorry, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I met a couple of people that did YouTube and their names were Bart and Joe and they did Just Kidding Films. And then I've been friends with them since 2007. So through there, I started working with them with their video editing and kind of helping them out with their channel and stuff. Uh, from there, they kind of introduced me to other YouTubers and then from that, you know, just you just make connections here and there. And all of a sudden, uh, here I am working with Tiger Belly and Bobby Lee. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Uh, and what exactly do you do over there at that podcast? So I'm their video editor. So they film everything and they send me the footage. And everything's just uh, online based. So they send me all the footage and I just sit there and I edit it. I work on it and then send it back to them. Uh, it's a pretty straightforward process, but um, I do this for multiple other people as well. And I'm not always the one editing because I have a team of editors. So, oh yeah, by the way, the company that I uh, run is called Candy Edits. Oh, so this is your company then? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very awesome. Have you ever... Uh thought about getting into the podcasting space or know people who are Vietnamese in that space? Well, technically, uh, this is the fir first podcast I'm ever doing. So, you know, so I, I guess I'm getting into it now. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So, well, this is what I tell all my guests, because uh, obviously everybody who comes on is Vietnamese on this on this show, that we need more. And especially and the reason I asked you in the intro in the beginning is because we don't have a large presence in the Vietnamese podcasting space. We, a handful, uh, there's Randy over, Randy Kim over at Banmi Chronicles and Tracy Mang Nguyen over at 
um, the Vietnamese Boat People podcast. But uh, and there's other smaller ones, and then there's some in Vietnam. But you know, for the most part, if you think about the amplification process, the more voices we have, the more our messages and the more our presence gets spilled out into the mainstream. Yeah, I think it's interesting that now podcasts are really, really getting bigger, in, just in all across the board. You know, everyone's doing podcasts. Everyone wants to start a podcast because I'm. I get approached all the time with people saying, "Hey, you know, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. What should I do?" And to me, I'm. I'm just the video editor. I'm not actually creating these podcasts, but because I'm around it so much. Like it's really easy for me to just ask a few questions to figure it out. So I, I think it's good that people want to have a voice. You know, I think it's good that people want to speak and kind of share their opinions, so that other people that don't know about what's yeah. going on in the Vietnamese space is kind of being informed or just getting to know us a little better. You know, it's it's really a process of just kind of understanding each other. And I think podcasting it's like a great place to do it as well, especially for the Vietnamese community. Yeah, I mean, for what, for for example, Win Coffee Supply. You know, Sarah over there, mm -hmm. she's she's a phenomenal voice, and she's a phenomenal voice in the community, and she's got a brand. And you know, I every time I see her, I encourage her. She people like that don't need to speak about Vietnamese topics; they just are themselves. And if she, if she speaks in the business world, you know, the impact that it carries with just being uh, a Vietnamese person is you know, hugely uh, beneficial to the amplification process of, of who we are. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I actually get her newsletters in my emails. So every time I see her, you know, write something about her company, where they're where they're going with their yeah. company, uh, what events they've been doing and all these collabs, it just makes me feel like, like, wow, this is like, I'm really proud of her because I don't know her personally. But anytime I see like a familiar face, like a Vietnamese face, like, oh, that's my, that's my dude, you know what I mean? That's, that's my big sister. About. And yeah. she's winning, you know? And she's like, she got Whole Foods. She's, she's like in everywhere. So I'm just like, it makes me happy to see that. So, yeah. And it yeah. also is inspiring as well because like she started it all by herself, I believe, and her and, and uh, her partner. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when I heard that you were in the podcasting arena, you know, doing uh, editing, I was like, hopefully it's somebody in the Vietnamese space. But, you know, Bobby Lee is a big name, you know, in the comedy world, but it's not Vietnamese. Right. And I'm just, yeah, yeah. there's just got to be more of us that are pushing in that space to to, you know, just to be out there, just to, mm -hmm. to have presence. Interestingly right. enough. Even though he's not Vietnamese, he's got, you know, he's Asian, right? So he's representing not yeah. just Koreans or Americans, because he's mostly Korean-American, I feel like. And then just the fact that he's on TV and doing such big things, um, even though he's not Vietnamese, it's kind of like, all right, we know this guy's Asian. What other Asians are out there? So that's that's the kind of question that I start asking. It's like, well, if he's doing it, like who else is doing it? And then that kind of opens the doors for other Asian Americans. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Now, um, thank you for all that. You know, uh, yeah, I had to get, I had to dig in there because you know, it's podcasting the world. Uh, how did you get into dancing? Oh, dancing. Okay, so it's pretty simple you know i see somebody do it i think it looks cool i start doing it it's like monkey see monkey do you know like a lot of my friends started doing it and so i would just talk to my friends hang out with them and you know people play music when they hang out so we just start dancing and it started very innocent like we're just playing around you know and then all of a sudden like we we start to get really passionate about it and we want to learn more things and Oh, what what other moves can we do? How else can we get better? You know, how can we improve on our craft? And then that just became kind of like an obsession for me where I'm like, okay, what's the next thing? What can I learn now? What can I learn now? And then from there, it just kind of attracted other people that were kind of like me. And from there, you know, you naturally just form a group. <laughs> and then from, from there, you know, the rest was history. Like we, we just started off as friends dancing in our backyard, like, pretty quite literally in my backyard <laughs> and how old were you at the time i was about uh, i would say 13 i want to say 13 so actually that's pretty late for uh, kids that are starting dancing because most kids that start dance they start like when they're three or four or five even because that's usually when parents put them in dance programs but for me i wasn't put in any programs by my parents 
because my parents were always working. Yeah. They still work to this day. So for me, I had to kind of find my own hobbies. And, you know, I just kind of got attracted to it when I was in high school because that's when most of the, my other friends started doing it. Okay. So at 13, you're doing it. And let's say you're a year into it, right? Mm-hmm. And it gets more serious and you, you, you have more people. But at what point do you say to yourself, like, I'm going to keep doing this and start to compete? Um, so that inner dialogue, I didn't really have, which is weird because I was mostly kind of just living in the moment back then and just like going wherever. Oh, my friend says there's a dance event here. Let's go here. Oh, there's a competition here. Let's go here. I was just so focused on the craft itself that nothing in the outside world really mattered. Like that's how deep into it I was. And I didn't realize that until years later when I look back, I'm like, wow, I really did not care about school or a career or whatever. I just really cared about this one thing. And I cared about it so much to the point where that became my career. So uh, it's a different perspective on my end because, uh, yeah, I mean, I did have those questions like kind of lingering, like from my parents, like they're they're like, hey, when are you going to go back to school? And, And they're talking about college, right? Like, when are you going to go back to school? When are you going to, you know, um, they didn't care about me getting a real job because I was already making money with dance. So they're like, yeah, just do it as long as you can, because it's kind of like one of those opportunities that only happen once in a lifetime. So do do you find that that it really is something that only happens once in a lifetime? Uh, Yes and no. I mean, my particular experience only happens once because now the show's canceled. Nobody could ever, you know, you can't go back in that time anymore. And plus, dance has changed so much in the past 10 years, even the past five years, to the point where if you tried to do the same show again and recreate the whole dance crew hype, it's not going to happen because it's just not the thing anymore. You know what I mean? Because dance comes and goes in waves, like the trends at least, right? Sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it's not cool because you see it so much, it becomes saturated. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's like, um, see, the difference between dance and other art forms is like dance, you, you really have to experience it live and kind of in person to feel the energy, right? Because if you see it on a little screen, you're only going to get so much from mm-hmm. it, right? It's kind of like music. Like, it's way better live, obviously, but sometimes music is great when you're just by yourself, you just want to yeah. chill, but you, but with dance, it's like, it's a complete experience that you kind of have to be there for, you know? But I don't know, that's, that's just coming from my background, because <laughs> a lot of the younger generation, they're on TikTok, so they love just scrolling through and like, oh, look, look at this cool dance, look at that cool dance, but it's really short. So a lot of the stuff nowadays, I feel like personally doesn't have as much effort put into it as we used to, because back then we used to have to get everyone together just to rehearse. You know, people still do it now, too, for big teams and stuff. But like for teams without a studio, like we would have to get everyone to my house or somebody else's house would just rehearse. And this is what we were doing while we were competing, too. So there was a lot of work put into to the shows that we would do that would be kind of unseen, you know, and you, you only see the result of it. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to, you know, forming that group when you were, you know, out of your backyard, when you were in your teens, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you're bringing over friends and you're dancing and what happens next? So one of our friends, uh, his name is Matt and he just decides, you know what, because he's very observant on trends and like what's going on in the dance world and in the music world as well. Right now he's a DJ, but he would take a look at competitions and be like, hey, you know what? If this is our competition and they're doing that, what we're doing is so different. Let's bring what we're doing to the competition. So what I mean is, uh, so there's a college dance scene, right? Where everyone's doing kind of the same moves, hip hop, whatever, right? and very modern styles. But then what we were doing were styles that were from like the 80s. Like we were doing old school, like funk styles, like we were doing popping and robot stuff. And they weren't really competing with that at the time. And this was like early 2000s, right? Because by the early 2000s, like popping was not cool anymore. It was cool in the 80s. And this is like 20 years later where people are doing like 
industry like music video type of dancing right it's more modernized and so we're like let's bring the old school to the to the competition scene and see how that does and we obviously reinvented like the old school stuff into our personal taste and we use new music we you know basically tried to upgrade it from what we what we like and he saw that spark and he was like you know what this could actually change the dance scene by bringing something old and reinventing it and bringing it into the new scene and so that's kind of what inspired him to go hey guys let's compete we we can do this because we practice so much we do our own thing we look completely different than other people so we would compete with three guys against teams of like 20 30 like college kids you know we were also at that age as well we were like in our 18 19s you know so So, yeah we just brought what we did to the scene and that just kind of you know turned heads (laughs) You know, it's amazing. Uh, within five years, you're like thinking and formulating strategy, right? And it's a correlation that in my mind, uh, when I think about 18-year-olds at any time, you know, when I was 18 or kids 18 today, to figure out these certain trends and the, the power of of youth. You know, when you look back and the things that you did when you were 18 is so powerful. And it launches like these big things in your life and you have no idea where that is going to take you at 18, you know, taking forms from the eighties, right? Like popping Mm -hmm. from the, it's, it's, it's amazing to hear it. Um, and I remember seeing, uh, your dance crew, uh, probably just a few years after that, um, you know, all around. Oh, yeah, I remember. I think we did a performance for uh, Saigon Electric. Do you yes. remember that film? So that was, I forgot which year it was, probably... 2011. 2011. Okay, right, right. Yeah, at that time, we were, like, at our peak. Like, we just got off the show. We, we started touring already. And, uh, yeah, and, and we heard about your film, and we're like, yeah, let's do it. You know, it's, it's a Vietnamese dance film. Why not? Like, this is the first we've ever heard of a, something like this, you know? So, we of course, we wanted to be a part of it. It's it's a lot of the community stuff came after the show because we realized that, oh, we were on TV as just a group of like Vietnamese and Filipino kids like we're representing like our countries, our, you know, our our culture and everything. So we're like, yeah, anything that has to do with the community, let's let's help it out. Let's push, you know, for for the voice, you know. Yeah, and thank you for that. We were um, very touched. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know if you know, but Stefan's no longer with us. Uh, he mm, passed I see. three years ago, but oh, I four see. years ago. But yeah, uh, I remember how uh, touched he was and how touched I was that you know you guys were just coming off the like a national platform. It was a big deal uh, during those years. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that he passed. I didn't know that, but yeah, that's it's amazing. Like how far we've gone since then you know it it, we've done so much you know you have your own podcast now you're still working in film right i'm assuming so so what is your main role right now like in in your life like as a vietnamese american thank you for asking um Mm -hmm. i really appreciate the questions when they come my way um (laughs) i am part of a company called east films Mm-hmm. Um, and East Films has, uh, we have uh, some, we have three directors and a few producers. And the three directors that are in our company is Bao Nguyen, mm-hmm. Ham Tran, and uh, Lin Phan Sine, or Lin Phan Yan Nhak Lin. Uh, Lin is a, a director in Vietnam, and he just did a big movie called Em Chin. And um, he just did a big movie with, uh, uh, that's Jin Kong Sung's uh, biography, um, which uh, composer uh, like a Bob Dylan type um, Ham Tran uh, just released Micah in theaters and we you know as a as a team we were all part of that push uh, so great I, film by the way it was really fun to watch <laughs> thank you yes that's how we reconnected right um, mm-hmm. you showing up to that uh, and the third director is Bao Win. he directed Be Water and um, he is working on another uh, big film a big documentary um about it's a pop uh song that uh how that song was put together and it'll i'm sure the word will get out uh, very soon but i'm not uh 
at liberty to talk about and discuss it. But he, so he's, uh, Baowen is the third uh, director. And then there's Anderson Lei, myself, Jenny Chang Lei, and um, we have a legal, we have a legal person on our on our team. Nice films. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, nice, and we nice. all have our own projects, and we just kind of support each other, and it's like uh, a team. We come together for different uh, projects, and we work individually on our own projects as well. But wow, that's amazing. Guys, they're very supportive of this podcast. Um, obviously, you know they've all been on it, and uh, yeah, it's platforms that we 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 and again that's what i was talking about in the beginning which is um so in film there's that but then in podcasts there's none of that right of that mm-hmm. like there's no veterans there's no people that are in that space it's a fairly new thing and you know and i'm trying to drum up and 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 get more uh people that i can you know it's a selfish endeavor i'm trying to get on people's shows but there's no shows that are in the Vietnamese world, uh, there is. There's a lot of Vietnamese uh, shows that that are uh, that exist in Vietnam and, and in Orange County, but Vietnamese American or English speaking uh, Vietnamese shows is is sort of like where I would love to see more podcasters uh, come. Yeah, we just gotta find the same type of like-minded people that are willing to also push that voice and kind of just. Get together. Really, what it is is getting together and just talking and chatting it up. You know, because <clears throat> the more you do that, and the more listeners like kind of gravitate towards that, it, it starts. That's how you grow the community, right? You just yeah. have a group of people just forming and just all you know similarities here and there, but everyone's still unique in their own way. And that's that's what I love about communities is, uh, and especially with podcasts. It's really easy to form a community because like you'll have constant listeners, you know, and people coming back, giving you feedback and whatnot. Have you ever gotten a chance to do like any events with your podcast? I haven't. I haven't. Ah, oh, like because with that, I feel like doing events and doing meetups and, and just anything where it involves a lot of people. I think it will definitely help out you know what you're doing because you you've thrown events you know what it's like you know yeah. what i mean so imagine that but for this you know like i think that would definitely amplify the voice a lot more my team and i talk about it uh, quite a bit but uh we just haven't gotten around to it because you know i my schedule has been busy and you know but i definitely mm-hmm. and and you know i we kind of like live through uh the growth of the podcast lived through the pandemic so now that it's uh becoming more normal to meet up um, yes, it's definitely something that I would love to do uh, before the end of the year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, are you uh, around Orange County a lot? Is that kind of where you're I, based? I'm I'm based here in LA. Um, oh, I grew up I see, in LA. I, I grew up in Koreatown, but I live in Alhambra now. Um, oh, but I, I go see, to OC uh, sometimes once a week. Um, most times every other week. Yeah, you know what's funny? I since I moved around, I've also lived in Alhambra uh, for a couple of years. Probably about like four years when I was living with uh, Joe from Just yeah. Kidding Films. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I lived with him, and then I recently just moved back to Anaheim to just stay with my parents because of the pandemic and everything, you know. Right. And so through that, I kind of rediscovered OC because I lived away for about like eight years or something wow. like that. Mm-hmm. And so when I came back, I was like, "Well, everything's different now. There's like." a lot more going on in OC surprisingly and because the reason why I moved away was because I was I was kind of tired of it right there's like oh nobody here is like really hustling everybody's out in LA trying to make it you know so I wanted to gravitate more towards that but then I realized it's more of an internal thing it's not where you're at really it's it's the drive is in here it's not out there you know what I mean but um, I realized that coming back now that I'm here again um, I feel like my motivation has like kind of skyrocketed because like I feel like I'm at home, you know, <clears throat> but also seeing the city grow and seeing the Orange County grow, it just kind of inspired me as well to just, all right, well, what can, how can I contribute? What can I put in where it matters to the community, you know? And um, through that, I've talked to, to some people around here, you know, I found some studios that were Vietnamese American. And I'm like, you know what, let's just work together and see what we can do here. Try to make a little dent in OC, you know, make a difference. Um, I do know a couple of friends uh, that are artists here that kind of, that are kind of much younger than me, where they were kind of where I was, you know, back then. And 
for me to see people here trying to make it, it just inspires me like, hey, you know what, let me help you out. Let, let me push you, give you a platform or whatever, you know, just collaborate, stuff like that, um, like with musicians, other dancers. Um, yeah, and, and also just running around OC, like you run into people that kind of were inspired by you like from back then too. It happens, you know, and, and so to see that just makes me go, okay, I did something and now I have to continue to do something. Like I, I want to keep it going, you know. You know, uh, the dancing for you, has it physically sort of gone away inside of you or do you still do it? Oh, so I still dance almost every day. Um, the love for it definitely has not gone away. Um, I've kind of made it a point to where, you know, I'm pretty much going to do this until my body can't function anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's that's that, you know what I mean? Because it, it just became a part of who I am, you know, my identity or whatever, right? Uh, I don't think I could even try to stop doing it. That's that's how funny it is. It's like, I'm just going to keep doing it until, you know, someone says I, or until my body can't do it. But I'm also trying to see how I can push that because, if you're doing the same thing over and over, you're not going to learn, right? So I actually started learning how to break dance a little more and just practicing something completely new, like out of my comfort zone, uh, whatever, but still something that I really appreciate. And so the journey for dance is kind of like infinite in a way, you know, there's always something new to learn. So to me, it's like, okay, why not? Just, just keep it in my life. Um, it only takes like 30 minutes out of my day, uh, if I'm doing it. But there's days where I don't do it, and that's totally fine. But, you know, it's a good workout. It's It gets my body moving. And I think that's the whole point, right? To find something that you truly love where you could actually do it on, like, the day-to-day basis. So I don't know if um, I'm going to be doing it as a career, you know, because that's different. Dancing and working versus dancing as a passion, as a hobby, two different things. But... Um, with the career stuff, I feel like when the opportunities come, I'll be I'll be ready for it, you know. But if they're not here, I'm still gonna keep it moving. Right. Like that's how I am. That's like a musician, right? They just you know you play and you sing and you play guitar and just because that what moves your soul. And I and imagine being physical and dancing to the music is what moves your soul and you know and keeps you in in shape. Now. Does it, this is a silly question, but I, I, do you ever have friends over and they ask you to dance for them? Uh, no, you know, what's funny. They don't even have to ask. I'm already doing it. Like every time I hang out with my friends, like you, anybody you ask that knows me that hangs out with me, like they'll tell you, they'll just be like, yeah, he's always dancing. Like it's like they're, they're like the type of friends that are like, Hey man, like can you stop? (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I will do it that much. Like, uh, anywhere I go. And most of the times when I hang out with my friends, like we're trying to go to places with like loud music, you know, whatever, where the environment actually makes sense for dance. And surprisingly enough, when we go out to these places like, uh, night markets or whatever, like there's not a lot of dancing happening surprisingly and i'm like what's going on here like back then when we were younger like all of us would just dance like all the time and so for me it, it just goes you know what i'm just gonna I'll, I'll keep dancing you know what i mean because i feel like there's that gap that needs to be filled when i when i hang out with friends and stuff but I, i'm always doing it not only just to dance but because I, I I fidget a lot, you know, when I'm just hanging out, if I'm just kind of nervous or whatever, like I'm, I just end up like just kind of dancing anyway with my hands or whatever, right? It's it's almost like uh, autopilot for me. Now, when you were coming up, you know, in your teens, um, and you were kind of going through the developmental stage of dancing, I'd imagine you're picking out or or think you know grown-ups are probably thinking like this but young kids was there any rhyme or reason to get into this specific uh dance style that you got into uh yeah so the dance style that we got into it was to us was really cool you know we're doing it because we're like dude this is such a sick move like I just want to learn it like that that was my kind of motivation to do it like the reason for me to do it was it just 
it just felt so good, like satisfying to be able to pull off such a cool looking move, right? Because back then when you were a kid, you wanted to fit in, you wanted to be cool or whatever, right? Whatever the reason was, because that's just, you know, some, sometimes kids kind of lean more towards that or you lean more towards like other hobbies like games or whatever. I, I was actually also really into games as well. So uh, it, the reason is just like, you just wanted to do what felt good, right? And so that to us, particularly just felt good and it was also free to learn because it's it's a street style it's not something you could learn in a studio anyway um now you can but at the time there was not really any youtube there was like youtube in 2005 i think but we learned before way before that so you would literally just have to learn from friends or you know the people around you and that's just that just so happens to be the style that people were doing because it's a street style you know and because you were doing this a lot in high school, the getting picked on or any of that bullying probably was less, I'm guessing. So, yeah, actually, um, I was more bullied in middle school and everything. But the moment I started to dance and have friends and, you know, just be a part of a group that just does you know cool things like it, the, all that bullying kind of just went away mm-hmm. and there would be people you know here and there like oh you know dancing's gay or whatever and i'm like i don't care like all of my friends think it's cool so i think it's cool you know what i mean and it, it didn't really matter even if somebody were to criticize what i was doing because we weren't good back then we were like you know we were just starting out like we weren't really good at all but the fact is, like, it was something that we really loved, and we always did it. So it didn't matter what anyone else said. So uh, that's that's how I feel. At least um, I know some people like might be afraid of showing, you know, their passion because they're afraid of bullying. But I would just tell people like, don't even like listen to them because what matters is what you want to do, right? And just just don't don't listen to the haters. You know <laughs> that that's yeah, what it is. Yeah. And how much practicing went on in those years? Like when? Oh, when I danced every day. I, I danced. Well, the moment I learned, I danced every day. I remember this clearly too. Like I, every day, it would be you know in front of like a TV screen because I didn't have a mirror. Like I would just practice, practice, practice. And some days it would be for hours. Some days it would just be for like thirty minutes or whatever. But um, I, for as long as I can remember, I did it almost every day. Yeah, it was oh. it was crazy, but. At the same time, you have to think about it. Like, there were no studios because studios you have to pay, right? And you have a schedule that you have to stick to. But if, imagine if you had no no studio, you didn't have to pay. It's completely free to practice this. And if you love it, you're just going to want it more and more. You know what I mean? Now, there's probably different categories of things that you have to kind of understand. Like the music side, you know, what kind of beats you're picking out what kind of style, clothing, um, actual moves. Like where at, along that process did you sort of like uh, find the most uh, talent or, or strength in? So with style in terms of like clothing and music and everything, um, you kind of just gravitated towards what was already available around you. And from there you go, okay, do I like this? Do I not like this? And then if yes, then continue with this style or continue with this type of music, right? And back then uh, I was introduced to the style by people that have learned it from the originators, right? So there's they're called OGs, right? And there's a whole community of OGs back in the, in the day where they're already like in their 40s and 50s teaching younger people what they were doing right and so i learned from people like that and so by default i would dance to whatever music they're dancing to or but wear whatever they they would wear right and so it it's crazy how the style uh is what do you call it replicated right and it, but the thing is even though we're kind of copying what they're doing and and passing down what was taught to us we still, still changed it in our own way. Like we took what was relevant now and kind of mixed it in with what was cool back then. And so it's kind of like a transition, you know, uh, in terms of clothing, like I would just wear whatever is comfortable. I didn't really care too much about uh, how people dress back then. Uh, I tried it out, though. You know, I said, oh, so this is what what shoes you would wear. You know, there, there's these shoes called hush puppies that yeah. a lot of poppers used to wear. 
and I'm like, cool, it, it looks really nice. It makes, you know, feel really smooth. You could slide in them. But at the same time, like, I also like Vans too, you know? Like, I like skate shoes. I like stuff that's comfortable. So I started dancing with my own stuff and kind of just setting my own trends and my own style based off of uh, what I've already tried, you know? And from there, it, it always changes. Like, if, if you look at uh, pictures of me throughout the decades, like, you'll see hairstyles different yeah. clothing different it, it's just always changing and so i think that's the cool thing about dance is it doesn't really matter what style you have actually it's just you just pick whatever you like you know it's there's a freedom in that at highland we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes there's no customer pain point too small for us to help with Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. It, it's weird you, weird you say that the style, your style changes and your vibe, but your actual... Uh, your actual presence has changed too because i remember during the saigon electric years at your peak you were totally different than the way you are when i met you just recently you know it was just a two different people almost and i was telling some of my buddies about it, another executive producer who helped me uh, who was my exec producer uh, on uh, saigon electric i was like ken's a totally different person than when i remembered you um, at the Saigon Performing Arts Center uh, in Orange County. Um, it, it's your, your vibe is different. Who you transformed into becoming, uh, you're a lot more personable. Um, back then you were, you know, you, th th there was a, a level of, I think your mind was just so focused on the dance or wherever you were, but it wasn't, you weren't like present here. Yeah, exactly. Different. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. I didn't realize that until I looked back because uh, like I said, I was just so deep into the passion that I did not care about anything else because this was my thing. You know what I mean? I was very like, I mean, I basically matured. I basically kind of stepped out of my own avatar yeah. and kind of said, all right, what's going on with the rest of the world? And But that didn't happen, obviously, right away. It was just through the multiple experience of life, you know, in the past 10 years. It's just, it changes or not really change, but it brings out who you really are. You know what I mean? And now that I'm here, it feels like, wow, like that's what I've been doing the, the whole time. Just like that's the type of person I was. And now you're right. I am a completely different person uh, just because of what I've experienced and what I've gone through and all the perspectives I've gained as well. Um, it really kind of helped me figure out where my passion was for dance because, yes, I love it but I'm not in love with it, if that makes sense. Because once you're in it, you're just kind of enveloped in it. You're not really focused on anything else, right? And I think it's okay for people to be in that space because, you know, you should experience that once in a while to just, just to know what it's like to really zone in on something, right? Because that allows you to kind of experience life through a completely different lens. Correct. Right? But yeah, um, I think now where I'm at... Um, the outside space where I'm not deeply in it anymore, it feels much more better. There's so much more room here. You know, it, it, you're more open to kind of experience more things. Yeah, I was surprised when, when I approached you how open you were and how, you know, different. You were just a different person, um, you know, 11, 12 years ago. And I am, I'm, I'm, I feel blessed that, you know, the, 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 the openness is was very apparent and uh, it was warm. You know, it was a very warm. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Wow. I've never heard that before. So I, I appreciate that. But yeah. yeah, you know what it could be also is, um, what is I going to say? Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's just been so long that I, I used to be introverted, right? Hmm. I used to, because think about it, dancing it, back then, like it wasn't as cool so it, it's kind of like the equivalent of like a comic book nerd like oh yeah. i just want to like be in my corner read my thing be in private and enjoy this hobby on my own right it wasn't big it wasn't popular or anything now that it is uh when i look back i'm like man i was like super like closed off i just like only cared about this one thing 
Um, but then I realized that I didn't, it didn't have to be that way. And I started to become more extroverted, just socialize a lot more. And the funny thing is, um, dance was the reason why I became more extroverted because it connected me to so many of my friends that I love today. Um, it just opens so many doors. Like once you pick that one thing that you're in, like it, it leads you to so many other places. So I really appreciate what dance has done for me and for the people around me as well. I just want to tell everybody who's listening and watching this that um, the Poriotics was elite. It was an elite <laughs> group of, of young men that performed. It, it you know, I, I, can't, I can't explain it because we're just using words to describe it, but the mechanics and the precision and the accuracy of the movements, um, I hope it one day comes back. I hope that it becomes popular again because it's a shame that we don't get to have these. I, I don't know what the residencies for um, the Jabawakis and, you know, these guys performing in Vegas I don't know if they still have these shows or they're continuing, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And um, But I just want to comment and let people know that if anybody wants to check this out, uh, go search them up on YouTube and look up the Poriotics and you'll see what I'm talking about with uh, Ken's ability. Yeah, yeah. Just don't don't search back too far. You know, I might get a little embarrassed <laughs> of, how, of how funny my hair was or whatever. I'm just kidding. But anyway, yeah, like I appreciate those words. Really, I do. Um, I'm very grateful to have gone through this experience and to have made an impact on, um, you know, everyone that's a part of this community. But um, yeah, it, it just saddens me a little bit that it's not big anymore. But at the same time, uh, nothing is forever, right? You you want to be able to look back to say, wow, that was such a good time yeah. for its time. But it is time to move on from that, right? Because otherwise, uh, without change, like you would, there's no progress. There's nothing, right? So it, it was great. It was a little bittersweet moment, but I'm happy overall that it was, that it's over. You know what I mean? Like the wave is over. It, I mean, dancing is still going to be around. Our style is going to be still around. Um, what we do has already kind of made an impact on all those people that started dancing because of us. So they're the ones that are going to continue that legacy based off of what we started. Right. But you know, what's funny. I say that we started, but we really didn't start it. Mm -hmm. It was already something that already happened that was passed on to us. And so that cycle will continue regardless if we're around or not. I'm just glad to be a part of that cycle. So even now, um, I still dance. I still do. I still see other people doing what we used to do as well, and it makes me happy. I'm like, cool. It's still alive. I don't. I don't have to worry about anything. I did my part. Now they they take on the rest of it. You know, they carry the rest of the slack. It's all good. You know, I don't think it's ever really gonna go away. Um, but like I said, it comes and goes in waves. It'll come back someday. You know, who knows? And you don't know how many people young Vietnamese kids that you affected during that period because you know I mean let's face it during that time it's pretty early like 10 11 years ago there was not a whole lot of Viet pride or Asian pride happening in the media and to see this uh, dance crew on national TV and having these Vietnamese kids you know I, I felt like the Vietnamese kids were leaders uh, in the group and the Filipino kids were like an addition right I don't I, yeah I could be yeah right. <clears throat> so uh, it started with three Vietnamese guys. Yeah, straight up. Well, only because, you know, in OC, like the Vietnamese people are here. Yeah. And that's it was just by happenstance. Right. But the Filipinos came when we started competing in the college dance teams and in the college dance space. Lots of Filipino kids are like competing. Uh, we actually joined this group called Pac Modern, which is a Filipino um, American coalition, if I'm correct. I forget what, what the... Oh, Filipino Association or whatever, something like that, right? It's a Filipino club in Cal State Long Beach. Oh, yep. And, you know, there's Kava Modern. There's, like, other groups that are just like that. And it's mostly Filipino culture doing dance competitions. And so when we joined that, we're like, hey, let's pick up a couple of these guys, put them in our group and compete, you know, because... We weren't really thinking about ethnicity or anything like that at the time. It just so happened that, oh, you guys are Filipino. You know, it, we never once thought, like, let's specifically pick 
these people because of their ethnicities. It was never like that. You know, it was all based off skill. It's skill, um, friendship, you know, how we bonded with each other. Um, That was like the main thing is just like, are you cool? We're cool. All right, let's do it. You know, it wasn't it wasn't anything. We never saw like we never thought about it like that. But then uh, once I look back, it's like the fact that we kind of mixed it up and didn't keep it to one ethnicity kind of like brought other people together as well because we would go to the philippines right and they would love us there because it's like once you do something in america and you bring it to the philippines that they love it you know because it's like you're representing the whole country because it's such a small country but there's so much passion going on and so much dance going on there same thing with vietnam we actually performed vietnam in 2013 and so many people were just like ready to receive us because it's 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 been like forever since anything Vietnamese has been big in America for the whole world for for that fact you know what I mean so to me it means a lot to be a part of that uh, and to be able to go to these countries of our origin and just dance there and share what we've been doing you know for so long but yeah it's a really beautiful thing honestly yeah, I mean, that experience of being sort of like the top dog uh, and bringing that to Vietnam, and that's such a field that that's so rare to have Vietnamese kids and uh, Vietnamese young people uh, to bring that to the motherland and to kind of do exhib- exhibitions for the work that you did at the highest levels must have been such a, a unique feeling, right? Yeah, because. Um if you think about it, like you don't really feel this level of acceptance, right? Until mm. you start doing your own thing and you start visiting these places where people don't have this, right? And once you see how happy people are and just through something that, you know, me and my friends were just doing in my backyard and it led to this, it's like, it's unbelievable. And so for me to be able to experience that, it's like, wow, like, like people really love this. So uh, I'm just glad that I'm able to give that you know give that experience to them and and it it makes me happy it makes them happy it's kind of like a win-win for everyone Mm -hmm. right but um yeah i know i know that although it already happened it's like it can still happen now with the new generation and with uh, even with myself now too i feel like if i were to go back to vietnam right now teach classes or do a show or something i still feel like that energy would be there you know what i mean um it's just that there's got to be the right time there's got to be the right events or whatever right so the thing is like i'm always going to be dancing um i'll always be there for dance you know i will show up when i need to show up for it um because i do treat it as its own entity almost wow you know are you still um close to your uh, team uh close in a way yes but um physically not close like we we all kind of went our own separate ways did our own things we're, we're still around uh we still keep in touch here and there but we're not like the type of friends where we're like hey let's see each other every day but who who is really nowadays because once you get older you have family yeah. you got school or whatever full-time jobs whatever right i got a company i'm running so it's like very difficult to meet up right just because you have to take care of your own personal stuff you have your life goals that you want to achieve right and that's totally understandable but um there will always be times where we're like hey let's get together you know do do this do that oh so and so's wedding let's go you know (laughs) it's like that so i think we're always going to be family and you know how how it is with family sometimes like you're close but you're not close you know what i mean like it's, it's just like that so um the the experiences that we've gone through together will you know never be forgotten we're we're always going to be brothers in a way um but yeah so we still we still keep in touch for sure though how do you think your work when you were with the poriotics has impacted vietnamese people throughout the world uh i mean from the looks of it and from my experience it seems like it was very positive overall um i don't recall like ever hearing anything like oh you know these guys are this or that it's it's mostly overall good experience you know um and (laughs) it's funny because thinking back now like 
through all the touring and the parties that we did, it's like we kind of didn't really even think about that. We were just like, yeah, let's just have fun. You know, let's have fun. Let's just do this, do that. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it was really positive. Um, and I think even now, there's. I, I spoke to a few dancers that are from Vietnam that used to watch us. And they're still loving it. They're still going. Yeah. They're competing. Like it, it's very much alive in Vietnam right now. Um, there's a few Vietnamese poppers that I connected with through Instagram that I'm like, hey, keep representing, keep doing it, because I was once there, you know. So I, I always try to find talent and just kind of encourage them because it's like you never know where that could take them because if they see someone that they used to look up to, encourage them, it's just gonna keep pushing it forward. You know, so I always try to um, give credit where it's due, especially to the younger generation. You know, one of my questions that I prepared is um, when you look at a dancer uh, or, or a lay person like me, when I look at a dancer, uh, whether they're part of like a, a, a poriotics or, or just dancing by themselves in a battle, what do you think makes somebody believable or somebody you watch and you're like i'm not buying that right technical mm -hmm. proficiency aside like crisp accurate movements aside there's sometimes yes. you're like looking at it going i don't believe it i'm not buying into whatever the fuck the story they're trying to present i'm not right it doesn't resonate with them it doesn't right? resonate but other people less skilled you're just like whoa i am and you know sometimes there's these overweight dancers and you know you just yes. see them doing their thing and you're like, oh, my God, I am all in. What What is that? So if you take a step back, like not only is dance an art form, but it's a form of communication, right? And if you speak a language that someone understands, they go, ah, light bulb, I get it. But if you're speaking a language that's completely foreign, completely, you know, out of the box for them, it's like, I don't get what's going on, even though you're speaking it very clearly. Right. You know, that's what it is. It's a form of communication, all the different styles, all the stories you're telling through dance, because, you know, you could tell stories. Right. But it's visual. And for you to interpret that story and or for the audience to interpret it, it, it really matters like who's watching. Right. Because if they don't get it, then, you know, they, they haven't learned the language or they haven't understood it yet. So for some people that do really, really basic moves or really like fun, easy to learn moves, that resonates with such a bigger audience because people understand it, you know? Like something like a popular dance trend or whatever, right? Like that requires almost zero skill to do. No training, you just do it. You copy it and you do it. But for some reason, that will explode in, in the social media space because, you know, people understand the language. Like they get it. Like, oh, it's a it's a meme or this is a trend or this is that. So, so they get it, right? But then when you have something like that super technical or whatever, even though it looks visually stunning, if if I don't understand why this arm is out here or why this that, I'm just gonna be like, I'm bored. You know what I mean? So it it doesn't always uh, matter how much effort you put into it. What matters is that where that effort is going. Are you putting effort in your own physical ability to do the move, or are you putting effort into making sure the audience understands what you're doing. See, that's two completely different yeah. focuses, right? And so for our crew, we understood that because we would always tell jokes, we would always mess around, and we would do things un other than just dancing. Like, we would dance, but we also do something funny because we know, oh, they're going to laugh when they see this because we want to get the audience involved. We don't right. want them to just watch us dance. We want them to be entertained. Engaged. We want them to, you know, whatever. So... There was that element added on top of that with our dance because, um, you know, that's just our, the thing that we love to do. We like to make people laugh. We like to make people, you know, go, wow, you know. So so for us, it was always about the audience. It's like, how can we make it so that they understand what we're doing and have a good time while while we're doing it? So that's that's the difference between, you know, a dancer that, you know, does something cruel but nobody gets it and, yeah. You are part of history, uh, U.S. history um, in the Asian-American sort of world. And what I mean by that is the Poriotics have their, their, their spot. But you also work with Just Kidding Films, uh, Barton Joe, 
which at the same time was, you know, Wang Fu and all of these sort of like the base level foundation for Asian American sort of media representation today that we don't, young people probably are not thinking of much, uh, the, the really young, but you are, uh, you were involved in these multiple stratas and these multiple pockets of of these um, organizations, if you will, and they still go on. Um, do you think that there is a second chapter for yourself beyond the dance and more um, in the realm of uh, these media companies that I, I mentioned? Yeah, I think naturally, yes, because... Um, with film and with media, those types of businesses, and we're just talking business models, like those type of business models tend to last longer because there's already been a history of Hollywood, you know, the whole film industry, even in the indie film industry, there's that circuit has been going on for a while. YouTube kind of just brought it to a different space, right? And so that whole thing, it lives on right through that. And so naturally for me, if dancing's not working out and I'm in this other space like I'm totally fine with that because that gives me a chance to bring dancing to a new space right to YouTube or whatever new media right and so I think even though I'm not touring anymore I think being a part of this space is completely fine because you were mentioning yeah there's like different businesses and, and companies but at the same time these are my friends like I I grew up watching these guys I, I live with these guys you know it's like they're just people that I know that are also willing to create and innovate and, and try to inspire other people to do the same. And so I just surround myself with people that do that. And so naturally, yeah, of course, like if I'm going to be video editing, like I'm basically just plugging myself into all these people that are, have been doing this for years. So to me, it's a way to kind of thrive, but also be creative at the same time. Right. And so doing that kind of allowed me to not have the pressure of like oh i need to dance to make money right i just i can just dance to just to dance like exactly how i started right because when i started it was like i'm just dancing because i love it but then once it became a job it's like now i'm dancing because i need to dance see and but but the fact that i don't have to dance for money anymore it's it makes me so much like more relieved to just be able to do it as a passion again and honestly that whole uh, YouTube space with Just Kidding Films and everything, like, they're the reason why I started the video editing company. Oh, wow. Yeah, because um, it all started when I was um, editing for Just Kidding News, which is their other channel, right? And I, I just did that for side income. But then once they started uh, referring me to other YouTubers and other podcasts and everything, I my clientele started to grow. So I was like, okay, there's no way I could keep up with this. I need to start a company. And then started the company last year and then we've just been going new clients here left and right and just growing right and so now that that's going on that has become my new you know passion I mean, yeah but wow. at this yeah this is the second chapter exactly this is it right here you're in it <laughs> i love it because now this is tying what you said about steve jobs earlier right it's it's tying in you brought that up, right? The, when you look back on the on the, all the points, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. This is it. This is sort of like the um, connecting all the dots. And now you are in phase two. Uh, and are you going as hard as you did with, you know, with dance? Even more so, because back then, um, I was kind of just along for the ride, right? Because uh, there were we were in a group, so we were all kind of chipping in here and there. It didn't feel like it was just me. It feels like I was just a part of something, right? But now it's like, oh, this is something that I started. Like, I'm I'm the leader now. I have to be the one to say, hey, let's get this done. Let's let I make the calls, right? I, I go, all right, where do we want to go with this company? Uh, I do have a business partner as well, but he's in Korea right now. And so the the funny thing about this company is is mostly if we're talking ethnicity, it's like all over the place it, it, it's Vietnamese Korean uh, we have a Mexican guy and like it's just completely different right but at the same time um, the impact that we're gonna make 
is I see it. Like I, I have this vision for our company and where we're gonna go with it. Uh, I, I don't want to share it right now, but because it's to me, it, it's very it's something very personal, um, and it's like a journey that I, I share with like my friends and all everybody in my company. We're all friends. Like that's that's the best part about it. Because I I told myself, okay, well if I'm not gonna get go back to a regular job, um, then I'm gonna start companies and I only work with my friends. Because I look at Wang Fu, I look at JK, I look at like all the other YouTubers. They're all friends. They they all work together as friends, and that's the only reason why they got to where they got to because they work with people they trust, right? And at the same time, it, it feels. Much nicer to have a bunch of groups of friends get together for events and everything, and it's like, wow, you did this cool! Like, like it, it's very inspiring to to see that, right? And it's all just it, it feels like much better that way because it feels more like a family, and it doesn't feel like very corporate. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it doesn't feel empty. Like, there's a lot of meaning behind it, and if you work with the right people, I think it's completely fine. Um, but yeah, like. That really inspired me to kind of just do all of this. Was just creating a lifestyle where we're constantly growing, constantly learning, but all at the same time we're doing it with our friends, our brothers. You know. Now, I know the business has changed quite a bit and shifted, but as far as like Wang Fu and Just Kidding, they had massive following and massive effect on young Asian Americans during their heyday. Is it still going on at that level, or has it died down? Uh, to be honest, I do not know <laughs> because I don't consume media the way that uh, their audience does, right? Because I I'm in my own space, I'm in my yeah. own thing. Uh, I'm not a a Wang Fu, you know. I'm not their target audience. <laughs> if, if you know what I mean. So so to me, uh, I'm completely like unaware of like how uh, they're received as as you know uh, filmmakers and all that, but. I just know that anybody that talks about him always has a high level of respect for them. Always, always. So to me, it's like, okay, you guys are fine. Like, just keep doing what you're, whatever you're doing. They found what works for them. Yeah, and you know, and J.K. too, Barton Joe, they helped out with uh, Saigon Electric in the early days as well. And oh, I'm very thankful yeah, yeah. to those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So for them, um, I could talk about what they they've been doing because like I still work with them. Um, they're kind of like reinventing in a way, but the funny thing is the way they're reinventing is kind of going back to their roots and just kind of like funny, you know, skits. just just the boys talking. Um, they did do skits uh, here and there, but their main thing now is just to start conversations about very like contra- not controversial topics, but like stuff that's harder to talk about you know what i mean and some most of the time they're just roasting each other and like you know whatever just making fun of each other and and doing things but that kind of brings them back to the old days where it it was more about the camaraderie and about the friendship and about you know just getting together right and they brought that spirit back to to where it is now um you can actually check it out it's called the the careful boys so so just kidding news they have a segment now called off the record careful boys and and it's just so much funnier than than what it used to be because before it would be more of like news and everything but now it's more about news and comedy and and it's so much I, i think what they're doing is great um but that also inspired me to go you know what like if they've been doing it for this long and they constantly find new ways to like improve, it's like, okay, then I shouldn't have a problem. You know, I should be able to find something new as well. And it's very inspiring to see that. Yeah, it is. It takes a lot of courage to do that too. You mm-hmm. know, to, to evolve and to kind of find a new you. And, you know, cause those guys have been at it since 2009, I want to say. 2007. Seven. Yeah. Long time, long time. Running. That's like 15 years, right? Yeah, yeah. And the the crazy thing is they've gone through a lot of changes too. Because uh, I've kind of been there for all their changes. Yeah. And no matter what, not once were they like, yeah, let's just call it. Let's just call it quits. Never. Cause, because it's like, why? Like, this is this is their lifestyle now. Like, this is their business. It's, it's what they do. It's like... It's like for me, if I ever were to quit dance, like why? Why? Why should I? Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's nothing. There's no. There's no point. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, thank you so much for um, 
you know, this ability to be reconnected and, and the warmth that, you know, um, many years later, we just, in life, we don't know what the next year, the next decade will bring. And clearly, we're beyond that decade and we're into our second decade now, early second decade of knowing each other um, or knowing of each other. And I am um, so pleasantly surprised with uh, how you've uh, pivoted and you've changed. And I can't wait to see and hear and, and read about the next you know decade of your life and, and the things that you'll be doing in the media space. Thank you for coming awesome. on today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Honestly, this was a lot of fun because uh, I don't really get a platform to talk about this kind of stuff. Most of the time, it's just me dancing. <laughs> so it, to, for me to even talk about any of this, it's like it, it makes me happy to be able to share that with somebody, you know, and plus on your platform to be able to share that with your audience as well. So I, I hope they enjoyed listening to this. Because like you're never gonna get it anywhere else, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right, right. So. And I don't know if we did enough dance justice, you know, because we talked about you know maybe twenty percent of. But that that's what's been happening a lot with people that I've interviewed. It's like you come for the UFC or you come for the poriotics, but you don't really get all of that. You only get a sliver of it. And sometimes I'm not sure if. I'm doing justice to the audience because, you know, they see poriotics in the headlines and they're like, oh, we want to mm -hmm. hear what Tan has to say. I mean, the, you're just going to have to keep bringing me on, I guess. <laughs> There's always <laughs> more to talk about, man. Like, I, I've been getting into so much other stuff lately, but not just dance. But honestly, dance is the main thing that kind of mm -hmm. brought me to everything. So uh, I think we covered, like, pretty much, like, cool. you know, the history of it and everything. So I think it's good. Yeah, and I think that um, just like other major podcasts, you you have these recurring friends that come back and, and talk about different things throughout the life of, you know, I want to be doing this for the next 20 years. So, you, you know, coming back year after year to talk about different things that, that show up in the uh, in the universe of, of, of our world, our, our, of our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I would love to come back on for sure. Uh, this was really fun. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Re really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, for sure. All right. Have a good one. Thanks.